0: Hi, I'm Dubba. I'm the director of Music Tech Fest, and this is the MTF podcast. Now, I was at South by Southwest this past week where I caught up with Ching Ching Chen. She's the vice president of business development for Capital Records, where she's built an innovation center at the legendary Capitol Tower in Hollywood, started the first record label hosted hackathon, and created an in house accelerator. Ching Ching and her team were at South by Southwest supporting the hackathon, where I was lucky enough to be one of the judges, and encouraging new ideas in music technology. I chatted with her about what a record label with a legacy like Capital can do on the digital innovation front, and also how they're supporting new business in this area, as well as her own history as a classical musician herself. Enjoy. Enjoy. ching thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, you're Vice President of Business Development at Capital Records. What does business development mean in a record label these days?
1: Business development um, is a completely new term in the music industry, I'll say. Um, you know, two years ago, um, I started off at Capitol Records as Chief of Staff for Michelle Jubler, who's our COO. Um, and at that time, it was, you know, there's a number of Projects that range from operations to ancillary revenue generation, um, and really, you know, the thought was where and how can we position ourselves as a record label of the future? Um, and so, you know, started off as one-off projects that here and there we decided and picked. What are our priorities for the year? And, you know, before we knew it, it grew into um, a full 11-person team as we are now. And it's incredible. But um, we focus on everything from, um, you know, digital strategy, D2C, e-commerce, and then a lot of our tech partnerships and really thinking about, you know, where we are going towards in the future. What are some of our, um, you know, startups that we can work with or, you know, tech companies that we can work with to really amplify and you know, create new experiences for our artists.
0: What's the end goal for you? How do you know when you've been successful?
1: How do I know when I've been successful? Well, why I chose this job in the first place, you know, is um, I love music so much. I grew up as a violinist and pianist and I did opera and, you know, music was such a big part of making me feel something even the lowest points when the world feels like it's going to shit. You know, music, you know, has the ability to really connect across borders, but also, you know, Every milestone of my life, I can attribute it to a particular song. Um, And so, you know, for me, that was one of the biggest drivers because I was like, if I'm able to spread how passionate I am about music, and if I'm able to then, you know, support artists that I really believe in to go and connect with fans and change their lives in some way and to make this world a better place, that's what's you know important to me. And you know, right now on the business development front, we're focused on, you know, bigger picture strategy. You know, but really the major priority for us is, you know, if we're talking to a different tech partner about how can we create a music video of the future for our artists, for us it's about it's about the future platform and how can we use that to make experience is more immersive and how can we really embed soundtracks into everyday life.
0: Fantastic. I, I'm going to go back to your sort of uh, moments growing up with the, the different musical uh, soundtracks as you go along, but I'm kind of interested, uh, what did your parents do and how did that in fact, uh, affect what you ended up doing?
1: Yeah, sure. So my mom was actually a musician. So she played the Chinese guitar, which is called pipa. Um, And so she toured the world, um, played for every president when China first opened up. Um, So music was always a huge part of my upbringing. My dad was um, a PhD in physics, so completely opposite. Um, Though physics was actually my lowest grade I've ever gotten in any school. So don't tell anybody that. Right, but but
0: you've brought together music and tech in a really serious way. So it sounds like you're a really good mix of those two influences, really.
1: Um, Yeah, no, for sure um so like growing up in the household my mom and I music was our thing you know so like piano even before I started official lessons we played for fun because she actually didn't get me on um competitive music the competitive music track until I was nine she you know music took over her childhood and she didn't want that for me um and so funny enough it wasn't until I turned nine um discovered violin at school and I begged my mom put me in official lessons and before you know it it became like a obsessive competitive thing for me. Um, Where where was this? I grew up in Orlando, Florida.
0: Okay yeah Um, and was that a good place to be a musician uh, in that kind of way?
1: Yeah so um, there's a really strong contingent of um, Russian violin teachers um, and piano teachers there and um, for me, it was an incredible, you know, resource growing up, you would think like Orlando, Florida, what, but honestly, I had some of the most amazing teachers and professors who like, really understood me, knew how to bring the best out of me. Um, and, you know, expected the best out of me.
0: Right. And, uh, you said you were competitive. Were you doing uh, competitions on a, on a big scale like nationally or anything like that? Uh,
1: he, yeah. It's statewide, some national, um, but literally, um, is going from gig to gig violin competition to competition. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, it was a really crazy period in my life. You know, for a while it felt like being on stage was the more comfortable thing for me. And it's crazy now. Cause I the complete opposite. If you told me to go up on stage, I'm like, hell no. <laughs> wow.
0: So, so the, the kind of the predictable trajectory mm. would be you'd end up in a, in an orchestra of some kind. What happened?
1: Um, so funny enough, um, I actually almost went to Northwestern, um, cause my violent idol, Rachel Barton Pine, her teachers taught there. Um, I got into the dole degree program there and was super excited about it. Um, and you know, actually committed, paid my deposit, everything. Um, and like, The day before making my deadline decision, um, you know, I had a serious conversation with my mom about, um, you know, I'm torn between Northwestern and Duke, you know, like, I want to do music, but I'm also not sure, you know, performing for the rest of my life is what I want. Um, Because my mom sat me down and had really serious conversations about, like, I know you love music as much as I did growing up, but when every day there's a pressure of being on stage, it's very different and you have to make that call for yourself if that's what you want in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had really serious conversations about it. And f- actually, in the end, I like decided instead of second-guessing, I was going to pick out of a hat. Um, <laughs> so I picked between Duke and Northwestern because I was like, you know what, my experience is what I make of it and I, there's no point in looking back. And so I ended up picking Duke out of a hat. And before you knew it, ended up, economics major, still studied music um, and, you know, ended up at Morgan Stanley after graduation. So very different trajectory.
0: Wow. There was, uh, obviously there was a thought that that business would be one way that you could go. Where did that side of things come in?
1: Um, In terms of choosing to study economics? Yeah. Well, um, part of it is just familial, family pressure, I guess, being Asian. Um, You know, growing up, the expectations were doctor, lawyer, or, you know, study economics, but figure out what you actually want to do with it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when I ended up at Duke choosing economics as one of my degrees, I will say I didn't actually have that much rational thought into it. It was, okay, here's one degree that I, at least I know I'll make my parents happy by studying it. Um, and, you know, it's kind of crazy how it took me to um, an initial early career in investment banking, um, but through all the resources I had on campus, I was able to talk to and meet a million amazing mentors um, from Wall Street, and for me, it was just a great place to start off my career and learn as much as I can, um, and I, I'm truly fortunate on, of all the people I've come across during my lifetime, but I will say, you know, I've always been very people-driven in some of the decisions I've made, and I'm definitely very fortunate.
0: Fantastic. Um, now there's a real tech element to what you do now. Was there any point along the way where you went, you know what, this, what's happening with digital technology, what's happening with innovation, what's happening with startups, that's really interesting for me? Or did that just sort of get dumped on your plate when you arrived at Capital?
1: Yeah. Um, so it kind of was a gradual um Involvement to the role that I'm currently in. Um, so when I first started off at Capital, like there was no mandate that, hey, tech is what we're going to focus on. Um, you know, at, at the end of, sorry, end of 2017, um, you know, we got the mandate to say, hey, start an innovation center, build programming around it, start talking to as many tech partners as you can. But even then, it was, let's see where this takes us. Um, And last year just kind of exploded. We launched in April, um, officially, the program itself, um, which consisted of a a number of hackathons, an accelerator program, as well as a number of workshops and educational um, resources for the community. Um, And, you know, before we knew it, the first ever record label sponsored hackathon in June evolved into a full on conference, um, at Capitol records in December. And we kind of just sprinted till the end of the year. Um, but definitely, you know, we see so much value in what we've created in terms of the ecosystem and the amazing partners we've come across who've opened our eyes, you know, like we never even understood, you know, the gravity of some of what, our partners are working on in terms of, you know, across 5G, blockchain, all of these experts who've spent so much time um, really investing in their fields. And, you know, they're, we're able to kind of work together with them to take their viewpoints and expertise to apply it to potential you know, opportunities in the music space.
0: And the stuff that's coming out of the hackathon, obviously you said you have an accelerator program. Mm-hmm. Is this something that capital is partnering with these new companies and startups that are coming out of that? They're owning them. They're uh, just sort of looking after them in the accelerator. How does that work?
1: Yeah, so um, the whole goal, at least in where we've started um, on a last year basis, was core business opportunities that can be, um, you know, amplified. So everything that range from D to C, studio tech, um, fan engagement, these are startups that we identified that, you know, can help our business in some way. Um, and so for us, it's about facilitating that contract or, you know, getting them into our ecosystem to make sure that, you know, if we do need a D to C solution, they're the ones we go to first. Um, you know, if, Let's say on the studio front, um, we're trying to think about amplifying AI and making it more automated. You know, those are the types of opportunities we're really trying to connect because I think um, those are two areas that matter a lot to us. But more importantly, I think the other thing that's really big for us is licensing. Um, I think what we've seen a shortage of over the last few years is um, new content based experiences because everyone's so terrified of Well, I get sued by a record label by using their content? And that's what we're really trying to create the ecosystem for to improve Um, with our um, new sandbox license. It's over 14,000 tracks that startups can have access to and play around with. Um, And it's just, you know, really trying to encourage people think about new ways to really push content out.
0: So the, the sandbox license is a really interesting idea. I know that AIM did something like that uh, with the PRS in the mm-hmm. UK. They they gave a license to uh, uh, new startups to try new things with the independent record labels. But for something like Capital to do that with, what did you say, 14,000 tracks? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that seems like a really sort of big you know flag to plant to say, okay, we think this is really important. What's What do you hope will happen as a result of that? Are you sort of looking for the next spotify or the next uh you know music service that kind of uses catalog in that way
1: mm. yeah no definitely looking for new services that amplify our catalog um like we hate to say we're looking for the next spotify because if we knew what we were looking for you know we wouldn't be here yeah the idea sure. is for us to get in front of us many fresh new perspectives um for things that we wouldn't have thought of you know um because there could be someone else out there that finds a creative way to share content of ours. And, you know, that's one, a new revenue stream, two, a new way of connecting and amplifying our content to new fans.
0: To what extent are you aware that, that, um, or not aware, but I guess sort of uh, cognizant of the the idea that, some of the ideas that might come up might undermine the fact of, of capital records as, a, as an organization. You know, the, We talk about disruptive innovation all the yeah. time. Uh, disruptive innovation disrupts something. Yeah. And uh, if, if you sort of seed a new idea and it kind of starts to look like actually nobody's going to need capital records anymore, mm. um, how do you deal with that sort of situation?
1: Well, I think the idea of us getting ahead of it is to make sure that we never are at the date where people ask why do we need capital records Um, I think you know especially if you look at um, some of the companies that come through um, if we can either own a piece of it or we can be a part of the journey um, and help the music ecosystem as a whole I think that's crucial because you know, at the end of the day, artists are going to want to keep signing to us if we're bringing fresh ideas to them. Um, but, like, for example, let's take Awesome Mix, which is one of the start, um, startups that came through our accelerator program. Their automated mastering mixing tool. And in theory, you would think that's disrupting our studio business. But, you know, our studio business is actually, um, you know, a way different target demographic. You're talking about the very high end. And, you know, by actually supporting Awesome Mix, they're not trying to displace our studio you know, producers and engineers, that's always going to be there. Um, There's always going to be people. Well, what what we're trying to get rid of is the Craigslist people who claim they can do a mix for you for 80 bucks and it's complete shit, you know? And so I think that's something that we really want to make sure, um, you know, that we, one, are cognizant of the potential ideas that come through the pipeline and can make sure that we are a huge part of the journey and don't get blindsided by another Napster. Um, but more importantly, I think, you know, being able to guide it in a way that really helps amplify and better the overall music ecosystem.
0: you mentioned a couple of things already, 5G, blockchain. What, what are the things you think hold the most promise for new radical innovations in this kind of field?
1: Um, well, for us, for sure, 5G is this place that we're incredibly excited about um, with the improvements in speed um, that leads to potential um, you know immersive content that's easier um, to consume by the mass audiences it also means um, production costs that could be way cheaper to produce Um, you know and so for us do you
0: mean like remote recording or
1: so like let's take a 360 volumetric video for example right now you know that's you see very few artists doing that because it would be exorbitantly expensive to one book out, um, a large meta stage type, you know, studio. Um, but then, you know, even like from a production standpoint, you know, it's slow, painful without 5g, like it would just end up being not realistic for uh everyday. You know, when we're talking about getting volume out, speed to market, um, it's just not something that we would, naturally gravitate towards. VR is the same thing. Um, You know, at every marketing meeting, someone brings up that idea, and then you realize that there's not enough households that actually, you know, have hardware for people to consume that. And so um, I think with 5G, people will be able to consume portable um, experiences um, from an immersive standpoint, whether it's holographic content, whether it's 360 videos, um, whether it's, like, even... What do you call it? And emojis of artists' faces. Um, I think all of that would be game-changing for us, um, and we're incredibly excited to see what we're able to do in that space.
0: What about AI? How's that shaping up, and and uh, under the umbrella of capital?
1: Um, so on the AI side, it's been mainly, at least on my end, studio focus. So, um, you know, we we have lots of conversations about. Um, creatives always obviously being protective about you know their soul what they feel about the content they're creating um but at the end of the day um you know it's not meant to replace it it's meant to say okay if you are booking out capitol studios for a day um are we able to you know prevent you from having writers block by using AI to suggest that next chord or suggest that next lyric. I mean, those are the, I think, spaces and areas that are incredibly exciting and compelling. And as a creator myself, like, I feel like that's something that would really reduce the barriers of me feeling like I have to be in the perfect mindset all the time before I can start creating.
0: Do you get to create?
1: Um, I still am a wannabe creator, yeah, but um, definitely not as much as I um, used to. um, Just because... I, I hate to admit this. I go home and then I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna watch the Kardashians or something brainless. Um, but what do you call it? I think for me, songwriting's always been an outlet. I can't play violin like I used to, so it makes me depressed. Um, so being able to like, you know, still spend time, um, you know, really f- evoking emotions through the content creation standpoint in terms of writing original content is really a big outlet for me.
0: How much is the, the fact that uh, you're in the Capitol Records Tower? This is a mm. really iconic thing for the music industry historically. Mm. Uh, how, how important is that symbolism uh, in terms of what you do and the, and the partners that you, you work with?
1: Um, I think it's huge. Like, I mean, even myself, I walk in every day to work and I'm still like, pinch me now. Like, you feel the ghosts of Sinatra, Nat King Cole, like all the oldies, but also so many of the, you know, biggest musicians of today um, in and out of our tower. And so, um, you know, for from an inspiration standpoint, I think it's really amazing to take a place that's been a temple of music history for the last 75 years, or 76 now, um, and really be able to augment its mission but I think it's unique to capital because we're the only universal label that still sits in its separate tower. Um, We're not in the Santa Monica offices. And, you know, from a space perspective, um, we're able to do so much more from an activation standpoint, from a, um, you know, event standpoint, et cetera.
0: Right. I noticed that there's uh, some really kind of powerful women in the lead uh, where you work. And uh, is that something you think is improving in the industry?
1: Yeah, um, I think, you know, at Capital, it's actually incredible. 50% of our senior leadership is um, female driven. Um, and, you know, we actually just had an amazing billboard ad of all the women who work at the tower. Um, and I will say I almost forget that I'm in a male dominated industry when I'm at Capital sometimes because of how many amazing supportive women um, we have. But I Definitely think there's a lot of attention being put on it, not just at Capital, but across the music industry. Um and you know, it's also the more, you know, empowered women that you do have who've, you know, made the ranks, the more we're able to, the more, you know, people are able to help bring up other women in the industry. And I think that's what's really special about capital, um, especially with under the leadership of Michelle Jubelier, who's our COO.
0: Right, right. Uh, How is that changing the culture, do you think?
1: In terms of culture. Um, capital has spent a lot of time, especially over the last year and a half, to think about um, ways we can really think about developing people in-house, you know, um, and so I think it's really incredible because, you know, everything from speaker events to employee engagement events, we had an International Women's Day event that we just hosted um, last Wednesday, um, and all of that kind of amazing programming that's employee first driven. Um, I think it's a recent development. Um, and you know, it's, we still have ways to go, but it's definitely a lot of amazing, um, I guess strides towards the right direction.
0: What's the big agenda for you over the next year?
1: Big agenda over the next year. Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing is we spent a lot of groundwork, um, over the last year building up partnerships, um, from both, a major tech corporation standpoint, as well as startups. And, you know, this year it's really about executing the heck out of a lot of these, um, you know, opportunities to bring it back to our artists and, you know, be able to help impact them in a positive way. Um, I think if we're able to do that, that's a major win in my books.
0: Fantastic. And is your mom proud?
1: Huh? Is my mom proud? I hope she is. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, she, what do you call it? She visited me actually when I... um, Um, when I first told her I'm moving out to LA, she was like, what, why are you leaving finance? Why are you leaving New York? Um, but it's funny when she visited me, um, at the universal music group offices when I was interning a few years back, um, after her visit, she was like, okay, I get it. You're in your element. This is, you know, industry and subject matter you're so passionate about. And I'm very happy for you.
0: Congratulations. And thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Perfect. Thank you.
0: Ching Ching Chan, VP of Business Development at Capital Records. And that's the MTF podcast. Now, Ching Ching wasn't the only person I chatted to at South by Southwest, and we have some absolutely legendary guests coming up on the podcast over the next few weeks. So don't forget to subscribe, and I'll catch you here next time. All the best, and have a great week. Cheers. (laughs)